Hey everyone, this is Joseph Bosco, pastor of Highway Church. Thanks for joining us on our podcast. You know, all of us need the right kind of voices in our lives. Voices that inspire us to know the one who made us. Voices that awaken our divine destiny and reveal to us the goodness of God. Well, that's what this ministry is all about. So enjoy the message. that we're going to talk more about highway vision it's about following the holy spirit and last week i began sharing with you uh more specifically about the highway vision and uh, we talked about about the highway vision we talked about highway commitment and highway expansion and we're going to continue talking about that today and then uh, see how far we get today but then if we don't get there next week we're going to get into the role that you play as part of this family. We need everybody to move forward with us. We're a family. Now's not the time to, to, to bail ship. This, uh, a lot of things have shifted in the world and in this nation in the last 16 months because of strategies of the enemy that man allowed, not God, that man, that, that leaders listened to dar- have been listening to darkness for years and they went with his strategy, and as a result, uh, God re- made, he expanded some assignments, he, he issued some new orders, and we're going to follow him, all right? So let's, let's start, and uh, you can put that picture up of the USA with highway up there in the northeast if someone's back there, and if, uh, we'll just wait for that, that's okay. Uh, highway vision, we started talking about that last week, and we got into it. But I just want to review very quickly on our website, on our homepage, um, you have our purpose, and it simply says, um, got the guys got that photo up there. Danny, you want to put the picture of the USA up there, sweetie, with highway up in the northeast in New England? Awesome. Thank you. Yes, 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 yes. But very simply, our purpose is to lead people into a real relationship with the real Jesus, uh, we want people to experience God in their everyday life. And, you know, reading the Bible's not going to help you if you're not experiencing God. It's experiencing Him that makes the Bible come to life. If, if, if you're not in a living relationship with Him, this will be a dead book to you, even though it's a living book, okay? The Holy Spirit is the one that enables us to understand this book. People are concerned about what translation and what language you read. You know, uh, prophets in the Old Testament and Jesus himself stood in front of religious experts and they argued with him and he spoke their language. Right? Language is not the problem. The heart is where it's at. If your heart is pursuing him, you will know him. If you decide to, to, that you want him more than your next breath, then you'll know him. But you've got to choose him above oxygen. Hallelujah. You see, God's plan from the very beginning all the way back to the garden was to have this intimate relationship with mankind. And he gave man authority over the earth and he gave man a commission to be fruitful and to multiply and to rule over the earth to be sovereign over the earth. 
and to subdue it, to keep the enemy from doing what he wanted to do because the enemy was already in the earth when God made man, but he had no authority in the earth. We're not going to get into that today. All right? But man had a responsibility to keep darkness under his feet. All right? And then as man grew and became fruitful, and uh, we, as you go through the Old Testament, you'll see it's a story of man's heart becoming hard. Man listening to darkness instead of listening to the heart of the Father. And inevitably, if you listen to darkness, your heart becomes hard. And you get to the point where you can't hear from God like he wants you to hear from him. No one's hopeless, but you can get to the point where uh, your heart becomes like a rock. And we want a pliable, soft, sensitive heart to the Holy Spirit so that when he whispers, we're there. Right? Hallelujah. So it was God's plan for his people to walk with him and to multiply. They rejected him. They listened to uh, the enemy. Do you know God never wanted his people to have a king? His people, they just took their eyes off of him. They looked at the other nations. They said, we want, a, we want a system of government like the other nations. He said, I want to be your government. He cannot be corrupted. Every decision he makes is perfect. Who wouldn't want that? He's pure love. Yeah, I want you to be my government. I want you to be my king and my president and my senate and my house of representatives and my supreme court. You got it, right? Right? Yeah, he said that to me. He said, I'm your, I'm your king. I'm your lawgiver. I'm your judge. He's all three branches of government in one, right? But they rejected that. They said, no, we want, we want a king like, we want a, we want a, like the other nations. We want to be like the other nations. What a hard heart that is, right? And so God said, it's, it's done to you according to what you speak. That's a good thing to learn. God, God can't violate your free will. He can't. He gave you sovereignty over your own life. That doesn't mean he's not sovereign, but he's given you free will. He's made you a, a king over your own life, whether you realize that or not. You have authority over your life. You can give that to him, but that has to be your choice. It cannot be mandated. And that's the difference in our system of government here in America. And again, uh, it, it becomes an issue where the media has desensitized so many people and made, uh, taught people to be so quickly and deeply offended that if anyone even says certain words, they, sh they, they just turn away and they plug their ears and they don't want to listen. But if you will actually read our Declaration of Independence, not someone's interpretation of it, but read the document. You can get it online. You can get original co copies of the original. Read the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. There's been no other system of government like it that is built on God-given rights to the individual. That our founding documents and the people who founded our nation, founding fathers and there were women who were very important as well, Recognize that God made man equal. 
We were all created equal, and we were given rights by God, and no government has a right to take those away. Why don't other countries adopt that? Because there are people in power that don't want to let go of their power. They want to control your life. They want to tell you what to do. That's in violation of godliness. And when you fear God and know God, you, 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 you don't want to control other people because you see them as God sees them, as beings made in his image. You want to exhort them to know him and to grow in him and to follow him. You want them to be free to do what God has called them to do. So we see in history this vying for power, man wanting to control man, and I'm saying man as mankind. And then we see men and women who realize that God is our maker and that we're made to be free, and that's really what this nation is all about. So I encourage you not to listen to the media. Most of it is garbage that's being funded by people with an agenda who want to control your thought life. And I, I see so many people getting sucked into that strategy and that scheme, and they can't hear from God because they're so upset because the media's got them so offended at all the people around them because this person doesn't talk right, and this person offended me, and, and it's all about offense and, and, and getting mad and getting upset. It's all about me, me, me. If you want your life to change, make your life about knowing him. It doesn't matter how people treat you when your focus is on him. You'll end up loving people who slap you in the face. And you won't demand restitution for it. I just get a kick out of these uh, lawyer commercials and billboards, you know. In pain, call, you know. They're trying to get you to, you know, they're, they're stirring things up. Did you slip and fall? Then sue somebody, right? Where's that come from? Not God. What kind of, where's the trust in God in that? I just slipped and fell. Hello, I need a lawyer. I'm going to sue my landlord. Where's that kind of thinking come from? That's ungodly. That's ungodly. This, you got to pay me back because I just slipped and fell. Come on. Are we all right? I'm talking about this attitude of, of making people pay for what they've done. God is your vindication. Let God take care of that. Put it in the hands of God. Let him be your vindication. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. You know why? You, you won't do it right. You're going to mess it up. God, only God has the wisdom to, to work that out. Hallelujah. That's right. So God, so, you know, the Old Testament, man, just some crazy things happen in the Old Testament. Man just doing some horrible, evil things that are just hard to even read sometimes. But that's how bad it got. It got to the point where every thought of man's heart was evil, God declared, except for Noah and his family. And then it brings us all the way through to, and God is doing everything he can to get his Messiah into the earth so that man could be saved. That's what the story of the Old Testament is. It's God preserving the line of the Messiah to get him into the earth so that we could be redeemed. And Jesus comes into the earth, and the New Testament church begins in Acts, and here we are, an Acts church, right? New Testament church. 
And what was God's plan? God's plan is that man, men and women, I'm saying man for mankind, would be filled with his spirit and be vessels for his kingdom. That everywhere we go, no matter what store we're in, no matter where we work, no matter who we're talking about, the presence of God is resonating inside of us. So if the situation requires, we're ready. Because we've been cultivating an intimacy with Him. And we're ready to let Him flow through us and set somebody free. Right? We're people who are sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It was God's plan that the ecclesia, what we call the church in English, would spread throughout the whole earth and bring his kingdom into the life of every man, woman, and child. So in the, books of, in the book of Acts, we see the first message of this kingdom being preached by Peter after they were baptized in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. If you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that's the Bible evidence. How do I know if I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit? You'll be speaking with tongues. You, you will do it at your will, not God's will. You can, it's something you decide to do. But you have to surrender to Him to let Him fill you. Just read Acts chapter 2, study it, read it a few hundred times, and say, God, do it to me. He'll do it. Just need to understand, he sure will. Now, if you're born again, if you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit is living in you. He's in you. You have the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit living inside of them. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? That is when your tongue is empowered by the Holy Spirit to pray directly to God from your spirit. In a language your mind doesn't know. Why is that important? Because your tongue is the rudder of your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And your mind is not going to get you there. Your spirit will. God is a spirit. So you need to be able to pray with your spirit out of your mouth. That's my spirit praying. And the more you do that, the sensitivity will increase inside of you to the presence of God and the Spirit of God. You'll begin living a different way. You'll stop trying to figure everything out. The question marks will start disappearing, and you'll know the presence of God. What happens when the presence of God removes question marks from your life? You become a vessel that changes things. Too many questions being asked in the body of Christ. It's time to believe what he said and act on it. Just believe what he said. The Bible is not a, a quiz show. I like trivia. I like games. But when God speaks, we believe it and we act on it. Hallelujah. Our life is not on jeopardy. Right? Who is Jesus Christ? No, no, that's not how we, we, that's not our relationship with God. He speaks, we say yes. We don't need to have all the details. All we need to know is what is he directing us to do. That's it. Hallelujah. So it was God's plan that, that this church would expand all throughout the earth. Right? And that church, the local church, 
would be a place where people could come, be filled with the Spirit, and grow in the knowledge of who God really is, what He's done for us, and who we are in Christ. That's what every church was meant to be, a house, a place, public place where people could come and grow in the true knowledge of Christ. Now, obviously, Satan had a strategy, didn't he? It was a strategy to, to uh, make the local church a place of legalism, right? They dealt with this in the book of Acts. We're going to look at that in just a little bit. But they said, no, you, you've got to be circumcised. You've got to do certain things if you want to be a Christian. And, and we see tremendous legalism in the body of Christ, not only here in America but around the world. That's Satan's territory. And what does it do? It puts people into bondage. They're sometimes worse off than they were before they came to that church. They're, 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 they're being tormented by legalistic teaching. Well, hallelujah, not every church. Praise God, there are some wonderful churches in this land and in this world. But we endeavor to be a place where people can come and grow in the true knowledge of God's amazing love, not in legalistic ideas or religious tradition. All right? We want you to be free, not bound. Hallelujah. We want to cultivate an awareness of the Holy Spirit in your life. He's your best friend, whether you know it or not. Right? So we want you to learn to value what you have here at Highway. We're not tooting our own horn. You know me. I, I'd rather uh, be out at a coffee shop right now or doing something else. Or uh, I'm not in this for me. But I, I, I want him so much, I'll do whatever he asks me, and that's why I'm here. But you've got to learn to cultivate what you've been given here in this ministry. And to be, be thankful for it, because I know <laughs> you can't find this everywhere you go. I know you can't. I'm just saying, all right? Now, our vision is also on our website, on our About Us page. And on the home page, you'll see three, three words. You'll see growing, experiencing, and moving. But on the About Us page, you'll see the vision. It's just one sentence. It's very simple. We see a vibrant, growing church where people are experiencing God and moving forward in His destiny for our lives. So growing, experiencing, and moving. We're growing in the grace and knowledge of God. We're experiencing God in our everyday lives, and we're moving forward in His destiny for our lives. That's what we focus on. All right, we do that in three parts, loving God, loving others, and serving in his kingdom. We love God. Part of that is our worship services, loving others, our, our small groups, and serving in his kingdom. That's our dream team, our helps ministry. All right, so we went over that last week, and we got into highway commitment. And let's, let's, let's review a couple of scriptures there. These are essential, essential truths that, that need to be the foundation of the way we think. So let's review them. Luke chapter 14. Let's put that up there. We, we, everything Jesus said, he, Jesus is our constitution. He's our declaration of independence, of dependence on him, right? <laughs> everything Jesus said, these are our articles that we live by, right? Jesus is our system of government. He's our president. He's our, our legislation. 
He's our, uh, our court system. He's our judge. Luke chapter 14, verse 26. He says, if anyone comes to me, and we're talking about commitment now. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Isn't that wonderful? That's pure life right there. It may not seem like it to you, but I'm telling you that's where pure life is found, where Jesus is your all in all. Now, obviously, Jesus created the idea of father, mother, husband, wife, children. That's what, so what is he saying? He's saying, I'm to be your everything. And if your, your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters, even your own life competes with your affection and love for me that needs to change or you cannot be my disciple. There's only one way to be his disciple, and that's to give him everything. There's no other way. You might think there is, but according to Jesus, there isn't. You cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, and whoever does not bear his cross, what's a cross for? Is crucifying, right? Crucifixion, dying. Bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. So I give every dream and desire to Jesus every day. I give him all my possessions. I'm fully yours. My life is your life. I'm living for you and you alone. And if anything tries to compete with that, I nail it to the cross. On Tuesday or Thursday or Monday or Wednesday or Friday or Saturday or Sunday. Nothing will compete with my love for him, right? Because we're his disciples. I'll jump down to verse 33. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. You need to know this. This is our constitution. This is our bill of rights. This is what, this is the, the foundation of freedom right here. You'll never be more free than you will be following Christ. Jesus was the most free human being to ever walk the earth. I know he was God, but he came as a man for those 33 years or so. But no one was more free than him, and he said, I only do what the Father tells me to do. I only say what the Father... So he was so... Uh, captivated and so consumed with love for his father and his father's love for him that his life became his father's life. Right. Talking about the heavenly father, not Joseph, his, his uh, natural dad on earth. Talking about his father God, right? Hallelujah. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. So I don't want to fool myself into thinking I'm a disciple of Christ if I haven't done this. Right? This is step one. Right? If I want to be a disciple of Christ. I can go to church. I can get certificates. I can get dunked in water. I can go through all the religious things they tell me I need to do. But I can't be his disciple. Unless I do this, right? At Highway, we do this. This is the heart of what we do. We give everything to Jesus. Okay? 
Who else is worthy of that? You're going to give what you have to somebody. May as well be him. Right? Because he's the one who's worthy. He made you. Luke chapter 9. Isn't this good? Hallelujah. Your flesh doesn't like it. Right? It'll be squirming and like, come on, move on to something else, please. But we're going to stay right here. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. So Jesus is talking about people getting invited to follow God. And he says it happened as they journeyed on the way that someone said to him, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So there's no comfort in this world that compares to following him. You can give me a penthouse in Manhattan. You can give me a resort in Tahiti or uh, anywhere in the world. You can give me a mansion, but it just can't compare to following him. There's nothing in this world that compares to him. There's nothing that will give you more pleasure than knowing him. And you're fooling yourself if you think there is. He's your vacation. He's your resort. He's your refreshment and recreation. Hallelujah! Verse uh, 59, he said then to another, follow me. This is Jesus inviting people to follow him. He said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. Wow. I love Jesus. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, no one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Have you done it? Have you forsaken everything for him? Well, today's your day to forsake everything for him. Now, that, that doesn't mean that you're going to leave your family today. All right? Don't misunderstand. It means you're giving your whole life to him. Right? So let's say I'm a husband in a family and no one else is willing. My wife doesn't know him. My children don't know him. But I'm going to give my whole life to him. That doesn't mean I'm going to leave my family. Right? I'm going to be the best father and husband this world's ever seen. All right? It's talk, he's talking about your all-out heart commitment. Are you following me? Hallelujah. And it's that, it's giving him everything that enables you to be the husband that he called you to be, that enables you to be the father you were made to be, right? Or the wife or the child, whatever your situation is. My conduct changed when I came to know Christ. I went from being a troubled child to being a polite child. I went from cursing and swearing and F this and F that to being a child that said pleasant things. I wasn't a child, I was 19, but hallelujah. My language changed. My conduct changed because of these verses. I gave everything to him. See, people are trying to change their behavior, but they haven't done this yet. Give him your whole heart and your behavior will change. We got to get to the heart. Got to live in here. Not out here. In here. This is where we live. Your spirit. Hallelujah. Now. I don't know. Do you think it's worth it? And you don't have to answer out loud. You don't have to shout amen. But is it worth it to give your whole life to Jesus? You really have to answer this. You can say yes in a, in a church service, but you've got to think about this. 
You've got to come to a decision that's real about this. Is he really worth it? Is he worthy of everything? And don't say, oh, yes, he's worthy, he's worthy. I'm, I'm being real with you. There's a lot of hallelujahs can be shouted, but no real commitments taking place in daily life. This isn't about shouting hallelujah, and I love to shout and dance. This is about the deepest part of you living for him. If I really believe that he is God and that he is good and that he's perfect love and that there's no one like him, what would keep me from giving my whole self to it? There's a belief somewhere that I have a better option, right? Come on. I mean, am I going to go to, to Disney World or to the, the Cow Chip Festival in Dighton? I probably choose Disney World. Why? Because there's a lot more to offer. How many people have been to the Cow Chip Festival in Dighton? That's what I thought. I don't even know if they have it anymore. You know what the Cow Chip Festival is, don't you? They, they, they paint a grid of numbers on the football field there, and then they bring the cows out to do their business, and if the chip falls on one of the numbers that you, that you bought a ticket for, you win a prize. Yeah. You get tickets ahead of time, you know, and if the cow deposits a chip on your number, then you win. <laughs> and that's the, big, that's the big draw right there. So if I had to choose between that and Disney World, I think I'd go with Disney World. Right? A lot more options, right? A lot, all the different parks and, and, and things. But if I have to choose between my plan for my life or someone else, what someone else is offering me, or following Christ, sorry, I'm going to have to go with Jesus. Right? There's no comparison if you realize how good he is. So if I haven't given my whole self to him, there's some, there's some thought in there there's some belief in there that there's a better option. Let's just be real, right? And that belief isn't true because you have no better option than following Jesus. There's nothing sweeter than him, nothing better. Hebrews 11.6 says this. This is a, a powerful verse. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Wow. For he who comes to God must, so this is not optional, right? Not optional. Must believe that he is. That he is what? Who he says he is. That he's the Alpha and the Omega, the maker of heaven and earth. That he is love. That he is God, right? Must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So if, if we're going to please God, we need to know that he's good and that his rewards for following him blow anyone else's offer away. You can't please him without knowing that. Isn't that amazing? Do we just read that, right? Right? It's impossible to please him unless you know that he's good. Unless you realize he's a rewarder. No one will reward you like him. If you had a choice between someone giving you the lottery or God rewarding you, which would you choose? I, you don't have to answer out loud. 
I'll choose God's reward every time. Every time. Because man's reward is going to pass away, but his reward is eternal, and it, it, will, it will penetrate and permeate every area of your life. God's reward. God can give you things man can never give you. Hallelujah. How are we doing? Are we still awake? We're talking about highway commitment. If you don't understand our commitment, you're not going to understand our expansion. Our commitment, that's the whole reason we're expanding. So we're getting there, but we, we've got to talk about this stuff. Hallelujah. Now, some, some believers, and of course non-believers, live as if their life belongs to them. Isn't that odd? And you'll hear people saying things like, what's my life? I can do what I want with it. Where did that come from? That's ignorance. That'd be like you getting the keys to my car and driving away with it. That would be stealing, right? Because it's not your car. Did you know you're not your own? It's good to know who you belong to. Come on. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6. See, if I get something, I, I, I like to read the manual. I know people... Say, why do you read the manual for? Well, I like to see what the manufacturer had in mind. I want to see what they were thinking when they made this. Have you read the manual for you? It's right here. Find out what your manufacturer had in mind when he made you so that you can utilize all your features. Right? Had you ever owned something that someone comes along and says, oh, you know, if you just flip that switch... You can do this. And you're like, you're kidding me. All this time, I could have saved all this time if I just would have flipped that switch. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for letting me know. Well, we're flipping switches today. All right? It's time to flip your switch and set you free so that all of your features come to life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's something to meditate on right there. Look at your body. Come on. Yeah. I remember reading this at the age of 19, 20 years old, and I, it changed the whole way I looked at my body. So whatever I'd be doing, if I would uh, be, be exercising or, or taking a walk, I'd look at my body and I'd say, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Lifting weights, whatever I was doing, I, I'd sit on the bench, I'd grab the dumbbells, and I'd say, you are the temple yes, of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about those weights, not people, dumbbells, you know. The, <laughs> and I'd say, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I began talking to my body, telling my body who it is, who it belongs to. Tell your body who it belongs to. Our bodies belong to the Holy Spirit. Our bodies were made to house him. Whom you have received from God. Look at this. We still got that up there. You are not your own. Man, that just destroys any my choice, my whatever. That just takes me out of the equation in terms of selfishness, right? 
I'm not my own. Whoa. Wow. Wow. Doesn't this change everything? What if you lived this way? I'm not my own. I don't decide where I work. I don't decide where I go to work. I ask the Father where he wants me to work. I don't decide what I do with my time. I don't. There's times I might feel like watching TV and God says, no, I want you to do this. I have something I want you to do. I don't just do what I want to do with each day. Where did that idea come from? I'm not my own. I don't decide what my life is going to tell. I don't come up with my three, five-year, my retirement plan. Where'd that come from? No, my life doesn't belong to me. I don't choose how I spend my time. I don't choose what I do with my money. I don't choose how I make my money. Because I'm not my own. I began living this way at about 17, didn't know Christ about 19, but I began saying, God, what do you want me to do with my time? What do you want me to do with my time? Show me who you are. Show me who you are. There's no life like this. It's the best life. Yeah, pe- 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 people sometimes hear you, you know, as a minister, and they think that you actually choose to say the things you say or to, 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 to do what we're doing and to... To, to step forward in this expansion like this was our idea. They don't understand. We're not our own. I, I, don't, I don't buy a, subs, a, a sermon subscription and then go through a list of topics and say, okay, I think we'll do this one this Sunday. No, I, I, I get in the Holy Spirit's presence and I cultivate an intimacy with him. I say, okay, what's next, Father? Where are you leading me today? It's Monday morning. I'm going to spend time with you. What are we doing today? Hallelujah. I'm going to worship you. And sometimes God said, why don't you just go down and watch some TV and veg out for a while. I'm good. I can do that. Why don't you go cut the grass? Well, you have anyone else who can do that for me, God? (laughs) (laughs) Can we delegate that one? (laughs) Or whatever. But our life is not our own. Right? Look at the next verse, verse 20. You were bought at a price. What makes something yours? You paid for it. If someone takes what you paid for, that's called stealing. To live my life as I want to live it is stealing from God. Is this good? Is this all right? Way too much selfishness creeping into the body of Christ. People think freedom is doing what you ever want to, whatever you want to do. That's not freedom. That'll lead you into some serious bondage. Freedom is giving your life to him. Yes, freedom is saying yes to Jesus. That's freedom. Freedom is knowing God as he is and experiencing him in your everyday life. That's freedom. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. This changed the way I live. I didn't want to drug up or intoxicate my body when I began to learn who my body belonged to. I don't want to put things in my body that are going to damage it. I'm not going to smoke marijuana. No matter what man says, it's legal. That is a dangerous toxin that, that destroys your brain cells. 
You know, people say, oh, it's medicinal. It's not medicinal. You know, when you drink alcohol, alcohol processes through your system in 24 hours. You know, marijuana, that tar and all that goop and gunk that's in there, I forget how long it stays in your system, but it's like weeks. It's like 30 days or so, I don't know. Just for your system to try and get the gunk out. And you know, if you talk to someone who, who smokes marijuana regularly, you'll, you'll notice they're not cognitive. They're not processing things. We used to call them potheads in the day. There was a movie that came out with a, this famous pothead. He'd go like, dude. You know, he talk. But I, I remember one of my brother's best friend was a, was a drug dealer, a, a dealer. And, and, man, he just looked like, you know, he wasn't, all cylinders weren't working. You can't, you can't smoke marijuana and expect to function as God created you to function. I don't care what the law says or, or what all these uh, pot plants companies are trying to sell you. Hallelujah. It's time to be free. Free. I don't want to have to rely on an external substance to get through the day. That's not freedom. That's bondage. Hallelujah. We still okay? Hallelujah. Now, so here at Highway, we've given our whole lives to Jesus. Our calendar's all about Jesus. Our time's all about Jesus. Our money's all about Jesus. How we, spend, how we recreate, what we do, where we go, how we think, what we spend time uh, putting our passion towards. It all comes out of this commitment to Jesus. Right? That's how we live. Hallelujah. We've given Jesus Christ the reins of our lives. He is in the driver's seat. We are sitting next to him as the passenger. He's not my co-pilot. He's the pilot. He's my captain. He's the captain of my salvation. Not my co-pilot. Just because it's a t-shirt doesn't mean it's right, right? Or a bumper sticker. Too much bumper sticker theology out there, right? Hallelujah. Putting something on your, on your car doesn't mean it's true. Some crazy things on cars. Woo-wee. I've got a sticker on my car, so it's true. No, it isn't. We don't create what's true. What you believe doesn't make something true. Let me say that again. What you believe doesn't make anything true. Why? Because truth is not a belief. It's not a philosophy. Truth is a person. His name's Jesus. So we don't create truth. We have, we have a decision to either yield to it or reject it. That's our decision. We choose to yield to it, right? We choose to submit to Jesus. So at Highway, we've taken our eyes off of ourselves and we say, Jesus, what do you want done in my life? What have you created me for? What's your divine destiny? What did you have in mind when you made me? And what do you want done in this uh, this area where I live and in this region of this state and in this state and in New England and the Northeast and in America and in the earth. What do you want done? What's my part? And that's why you're here, one of the reasons why you're here at Highway. How do you want to use our time, our talents, and our resources? And this is where being led by the Spirit is essential. 
This is why the enemy has fought so hard uh, 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 against relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we were just talking with some friends the other night, and, and Jennifer, uh, I think, was mentioned by the church she grew up in. They never talked about the Holy Spirit. Never talked about it. Wasn't even a thought that I could have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. I get that. In the church I grew up in, we'd have Holy Ghost feasts. The Holy Ghost wasn't there. <laughs> we didn't know the Holy Ghost from a hole in the wall, you know? Yeah. So, you know, that's the only time they talk about him when it's time for the summer feast. And, but it didn't have anything to do with the Holy Ghost. It was just a tradition, right? We're talking about the Spirit of God interacting with the Spirit of God in your daily decisions. Romans chapter 8. Let's look at that. Romans chapter 8. We're not in a hurry, Right? We'll take, we'll take the time we need because God has, God has a mission for you. And you know, most of the mission is the preparation, right? People want to get to the mission, but they want to skip the preparation. Well, if you skip the preparation, the mission is going to fail, all right? Preparation is the most important part of the mission. If all I wanted to do as a musician was perform, I'd be in trouble. What most people understand is there are, Hours and days and weeks and months and years of practice alone in a room with no one else there in order to enable you to do what you do on the stage for 10 minutes. You look at the Olympic athletes, you ask them, how, 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 how often do you train? Once a week? <laughs> we have some, some, some young kids we knew back when we were youth pastors who swam for Cape Verde, uh, the Cape Verde team. And I remember when uh, they were little, you know, little like junior high age, and they'd go to the swimming pool like 5 in the morning before school, 4.30 in the morning, swim for hours, come to school, and then after school they'd go to the pool and swim for a few more hours. Every day. At least Monday through Friday that I knew of. Probably Saturday too, right? Hallelujah. So there's a preparation. If you skip this time together, your mission's going to fail. Part of a, of a local church like this is to prepare you for your mission. If you don't recognize that and think you're just coming to a religious service, you're going to miss it. So how I come to church is I spend time with God during the week, and I keep my spirit sensitive. I meditate in the Word. Then when I come in, I'm ready to receive. And I'm listening to the Spirit of God. I've got my, I make myself pay attention. And I worship Him. And I get the Word. I'm, I, I, I write these scriptures down. That the book, the chapter, and the reference. And I'm listening. Then when I go home, I'm going to meditate on them. What is that? That's preparation for the mission. You've got some gold medals to acquire. It's time to see yourself as a champion that has a mission. Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Wow. Do you know the primary reason Jesus came is so that God's Spirit could live in you? Jesus called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, he called it the promise of the Father. Not a promise of the Father, the promise of the Father. 
that God's spirit would be living inside of you and leading and guiding you every day of your life. Hallelujah. For all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. It is the greatest privilege and right that we have as children of God to be led by his very own spirit. Hallelujah. And we're going to enjoy that privilege. We're going to walk in that. How do you do it? You start believing it. You study these scriptures. You meditate on Say, Father, thank you. I walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. That's what the apostle Paul wrote to the believers in Rome. Right? You walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Right? You start saying that after you. Don't turn it into a, a, a project. Just say, I walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. I hear your voice and I obey your voice. The voice of a stranger I will not follow. I am sensitive to your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for transforming me. Thank you, Lord, for leading and guiding me. Hallelujah. Now, being led by the spirit, we're going to stay there in Romans 8 means that not that you hear an audible voice telling you what to do. It means when you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit enters your spirit. Your, your spirit and his spirit become united. And the Holy Spirit is now living in you. And he will speak to what we say your heart. We're not talking about the organ that pumps blood. We're talking about your spirit. That's what the Bible, in the, in the Bible, the Hebrew culture, they would say your kidneys. But we say heart. But they're talking about your inner man, your spirit, not your organs of your body, okay? So the Holy Spirit, he's in your spirit. And he will bear witness with your spirit as to what you should do. Let's keep reading. Verse 15 of Romans 8. Verse 15 says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery, to fall back into fear. Fear and slavery always go together. When you're no longer afraid, you'll no longer be bound. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Look at verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. The Spirit himself bears witness. There is a witness you need to become sensitive to in your daily life. The Holy Spirit will bear witness as to what your next step is in a situation. And it doesn't matter what anyone says. When you've got the witness of the Holy Spirit, you're going to do it. No one can talk you out of it. They'll try. Satan will try. But you've got to know that witness inside. That's why praying in the Spirit is so vital. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit, letting your spirit open its mouth and pray with your tongue. Don't go another day without it. Get it today. Say, God baptized me in the Holy Spirit. And then open, then just start worshiping Him. Just start praising Him and, and, and let your spirit begin to pray. You'll go from God, you're so good to all I shall Just let your spirit take control of your tongue. That's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is. So this is, this is how we live. We're, we're, we're listening for the witness of the Holy Spirit, not man's advice, not the counsel of man or the media. The witness of the Holy Spirit. This should be um, the, the focus of your decision-making. 
the witness of the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the witness of the Spirit, I'm not going to do it. Now, I'm not, let's not get silly and say I've got to have a witness of the Holy Spirit to tie my shoes. I'm not talk, being silly, but I'm talking about my daily life. Right? I, I, I'm, I'm made by God. I'm His temple. I'm saying I, I mean all of us, right? And, and He's living in me. I want to know what he, what he made me for. How I'm supposed to spend my time. Where I'm supposed to go. How I'm supposed to employ my gifts. Right? And that, I'm listening for the witness inside. Hallelujah. The apostles, we see, were led by the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit of God. But you'll see these phrases in the Bible. Jesus or the apostles will say, it seemed good to. It seemed. What are they talking about? The witness of the Spirit inside. Let's look at a few of these. We got time for this? Come on. We okay? Go ahead. Wake yourself up. Pinch yourself a couple times. Come on. Let's look at this. Because people don't understand how to follow the Holy Spirit. They turn it into something strange, like you have to get mystical or, you know, have to have some kind of visible sign. We don't look for signs. When people say, God, show me a sign, it's because they don't know about the witness of the Holy Spirit. That, that traffic light just turned green at 3.32 p.m. That's a sign from God. Well, it may or may not be, but I've got to have the witness of the Holy Spirit. Right? Not that God doesn't confirm His Word with physical things, but I, what you want to have... First is the witness of the Spirit. I can't get the witness of the Spirit if I'm not giving God my attention. So someone comes, you go to a church, and they say, Thus says the Lord, if it doesn't bear witness with your spirit, don't receive it. I don't care who they are. Apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher. It's you've got to know God for yourself. It's got to bear witness with your spirit. But listen, you've got to give yourself to him to, to get that. Right? He's always moving. He's always talking, but we're not always listening. Right? We've got to take time to spend with him. Take time to put, put everything else aside. Block off time to be in the presence of God in your daily life. Take 15 minutes. Put it, shut your phone off. Put the phone on hold. Go send it to voicemail. No, shut the, the lid of your laptop. Turn off your tablet. And just get on your face for a while and worship him. Have you ever done that? Have you ever just kind of gone on your face and just kind of lay there? You're my God and my Savior. My life is yours. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Leading and guiding me. Thank you for your will done in my life, just as is in heaven. You're my Lord and my Master, my Savior. Hallelujah. There needs to be some time like this in your life. Where'd everybody go? Can't see anybody. <laughs> oh, there you are. Well, the wonderful thing about your nose, you can. Press it down, it'll, it'll pop right back out. So it's, it's pretty good. Luke chapter 1. Here's uh, Luke. Um, 
the beloved physician in verse 1, chapter 1, he says, for as much as many, well, let me read out a different translation here. See what I got here. Okay, I'll read it this one. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So Luke was not one of the original twelve. He was not an eyewitness of these things, but he had relationship with those who were, and he wrote down and asked them questions and studied and learned everything that they said. And he wrote his own gospel as a result. Right? It seemed good to me also. So you might read right over that. Verse 3. Did I just read verse 2? I'm sorry. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Verse 3. It seemed good to me also. What's that mean? He was getting a witness from the Holy Spirit to write this book. Okay? You'll get a witness from God to do some things. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Let's look at another example. Acts. Go to Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. Let's see what translation I want here. Okay. I'm sorry. Go to 15. Acts 15. It seemed. Don't read the Bible too fast. You got to pay attention to those little. I look for the, the way that Jesus made decision and the way the apostles made decisions. I want to see how they did it. Then I'm going to do it that way. Right? Acts 15, verse 23. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia. For as much as we have heard that certain which went out from you have troubled you, excuse me, went out from us, have troubled you with words. That's how people trouble you. You believe that? That's ridiculous. How could you think the Holy Spirit's going to... Troubled you with words. You believe God heals? That's ridiculous. Troubled you with words. Subverting your souls. When you listen to the the reasoning of man, you're going to be troubled in your soul, your mind, your emotions. Saying, you must be circumcised. You've got to be baptized in water. You've got to come to this church 27 times. And keep the law to whom we gave no such commandments. So they were teaching that you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. And some other religious experts came along and said, nope, you got to be circumcised. you got to obey the law. Oh, boy, that didn't work. But they're trying to teach it again. And they say, we didn't give this commandment. Verse 25, it seemed good. It seemed good. There it is. It seemed good. So this was a real issue in the New Testament church. They were coming out of old covenant thinking and they needed to renew their mind and it was a big deal. Major divisions happened as a result of this. So they got together and said, what do we do about this? Verse 25, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Men of proven commitment. 
See, as we move forward, we need people of proven commitment. I just share with you some, some experiences. I mean, when you go in the ministry full-time, it's a whole different thing. You can serve in churches, and that's wonderful. Praise God for that. We need. But I'm telling you, there's a there, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. You enter into a whole new, new dimension of the realm of the Spirit. And you understand things that people just won't understand unless they give themselves wholly to Him. And I've had people, you know, we, we, everyone's different, and, and God wants you to be yourself. He wants you to be the person. So I'm a different kind of a pastor. But he, he's encouraged me more than ever, just be you. Don't try and be like so-and-so. Just be you. So a part of my ministry is music. It's just how God made me. And part of how we do music, uh, we, we, we do some more advanced things with chord structures and harmonies and parts like that. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. I have that witness inside. I have had that for decades, right? So I'll give you an example. So over the years, you know, someone comes and say, oh, I, I, I want to... I want to sing. I said, okay. I said, great. I said, Let, um, can you just, we'd like to have you audition because we'd like to hear you. What? I'm anointed. I don't need to audition for you. I'm giving you an idea of commitment. I've actually had this said. Uh, pastors have already said I'm anointed. Why would I need to audition for you? What is that? You know why Lucifer fell, don't you? Arrogance, right? If I come into an existing work, the first thing I consider is what's the message coming from the pulpit? Is it who Jesus is, what he's done for us, who we are in him, or is it God made you sick to teach you something? Because I can't be a part of that. That's not the gospel. God doesn't use sickness. He hates sickness. He doesn't make people sick. He heals people. He doesn't cause tragedy. He delivers people from them. Right? So I've got, that's the first thing. I've got to have the fullness of the gospel. I've got to have the true knowledge of God coming from the pulpit. And then I submit myself unto the leader there or leaders there. I don't try and tell them how to do it because I'm so anointed. And you're looking at someone who's done this for decades. When I first say I'm looking for, it's got to be the fullness of the gospel. They've got to know it's God's will to heal. They've got to know that God's not controlling everything. They've got to know that, that who we are in Christ, and these got to be taught. If that's not, I can't stay. I'm sorry. I've got to have that, and I'll, 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 I'll diligently pursue that until I find that. Once I find that, okay, now we can move forward, okay? And then I see what's the vision in the house, and how can I help? And we're going to get to this more. We're just taking our time, okay? But I'll just do whatever is asked of me. And I remember the first pastor we met, Sam Smith, amazing guy, Sam and Donna. Sam's in heaven now. But we, we, we came in, and, and I was very, I was a professional musician, but I didn't care what I did. But they had an ad in the bulletin that said, we need musicians for youth ministry. So the advice that the pastor gave is, whatever your hand knows how to do, do that. I thought, okay. I didn't really want to. Actually, I was, at that point in my life, I was kind of wanted to just put it away for a while. I said, okay, I know how to do that. So I went and I, I spoke to the youth pastors, and they said, yeah, we need some musicians. I said, well, I, I can play the guitar and sing. And uh, so they had me come in, and they said, okay, yeah, yeah, do that. And Jennifer and I did that because we knew how to do it, okay? But then the pastor said, if I tell you a rooster can pull a freight train, hook it up. Yeah, love it, love it, thank you. Did you catch that? Love it. He was a Texan through and through. Yeah. 
He said, if I tell you a rooster can pull a freight train, I want you to hook it up. You got to understand there is a, a revelation that God gives to spiritual leaders about what needs to get done in that vision. And they gives it to the leader first, not to you. Okay? And he calls you to come alongside and help that happen. And depending on your attitude has everything to do with how successful you will be in your personal destiny. He could have told me, would you go out in the parking lot with this toothbrush and, and just start scrubbing it from that far corner and work your way all around. And I'd say, okay, great, give me the toothbrush. And I would have done it. And I would have been happy to do that for the rest of my life. Why? Because I've given my whole self to Christ. Now, I'm not talking about, I'm just being, you know, uh, talking about examples. My point is, I'm trusting God in my life. The message is coming forward. I'm receiving this. So I'm going to give my whole self to the Lord and the vision that he's brought me into to be a part of. Now, I'm not going to cause problems. First, first sign of a change, oh, I'm out of here. You know, that's, that's shallow living. Right? That's flesh living. We walk by the Spirit. Okay? We're expanding. Things have happened in America that never should have happened in America. Never should have happened in America. This, this whole COVID thing is a scam. It is an agenda to, for, for people to pocket lots of money. You know how much money is made by selling a contract for a vaccine to a nation? Multiple nations? We're talking trillions of dollars here. Did you know the vaccine is not a vaccine? Four different ones that I know of. I mean, none of them are vaccines. We heard some employees at a grocery store the other day. They're saying, oh, they told me if I get the vaccine, I didn't have to wear a mask. Now they're saying i got to wear a mask again, whether I'm vaccinated or not. You, you want to stop and think, wait a minute, you know, what's happening here? They're telling me to wear a mask. They tell me to get a shot. Now they're telling me to wear a mask again. Something's not right here. Hello. It's good to use your mind and say, wait a minute, this doesn't add up. Right? One minus 27 is not two. Right? We're going the wrong direction here, right? Hallelujah. If you get a vaccine for something, there would be no need for a mask, right? The idea of a vaccine is to introduce that virus or whatever it is into your system so that your system responds to it and builds its own immunity to it, all right? If that doesn't do it, it's not a vaccine. And there are many different views on vaccines from physicians that on both sides of it. But what's happening is not true, uh, it's not based on medical science, it's part of a political agenda. And I hope you haven't got sucked into it. No more of this garbage. But I'm telling you what's happened and all of the, the stirring up of hatred in America, what they call racism. This idea of hating someone because of the color of their skin. The media is so into this because they know it's going to breed dissension and hatred and division, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to keep America from moving forward. Love is the answer to all of these things. But you can't have love until you know the one who is love. So the media is giving the CDC or, get, or, or issuing things that are just not true. Just not true. And because these things have happened, God has issued some new orders to his apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, and we're going to go with that. And that's a part of this expansion that we're ta we talked about last week and this week, and we're going to keep talking about it until we get it all out. 
We've got to follow the Lord. He's the general. He's the Lord of hosts. That's a military term. He's the God of angel armies. And he's our commander-in-chief. And he issues an order. We're on it. Hallelujah. So we believe he's been talking to us about expanding this ministry across the nation, going, continuing to pastor here at Highway New England and starting a new work in Nashville, Tennessee. I don't know how to do that, but he's going to lead us, right? And then we believe eventually from there something's going to happen on the West Coast, a highway in L.A., something like that. We, again, we don't have a timeline for this. We don't have the details of it. We're just sharing you with you what's, what's happening in our hearts. Hallelujah. But we're spending a good bit of time on commitment because that's where this all comes from. It's not like, oh, I, I've never chosen to live in a place because of the demographics or the weather. I don't live that way. This is earth. It stinks. It's not our home. It does. It does. I mean, there's some uh, beautiful places in this world, but if you would compare it to the way God originally intended it to be, you'd be like, what a, a fallen mess this is. It, this is nothing like it was when God created it. Nothing. Not, not even close. It's falling apart. Even in its fallen state, it is beautiful, right? But can you imagine what it would be like before sin, right? Before man just rejected God and every, it was, there was no rain, no tornadoes, no earthquakes, no hurricanes. Mist would rise from the ground to water the plants. <sighs> just amazing. So heaven's our home. So we don't choose where we live based on the weather. What a shallow decision that would be. We choose where we live based on the general's command. Right? Where, where, where are we going, Father? What's next? Hallelujah. So we're just seeking the Lord in this area. Okay. Boy, oh boy, I tell you, this is good. Hey, it's going to take some time to come out, but we're going to get it out. Right? We're going to get it out. We didn't get to the other chapters. We'll continue there uh, next Sunday. We're, we're, we're looking at the witness of the Holy Spirit. Okay? God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.